You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. We're ending our series, A Move of God. But how many of you know that even though the series is ending, God is not going to stop moving? Amen. It has just been so cool to stand back and, and hear the testimonies that have been coming in in regards to this series. Um, how many of you would say over the past couple weeks that you have felt God moving in a different way in your life by show of hands throughout this series? Would you just raise those hands up high? If, if through this series, you've just felt like awesome, awesome. It has just been so cool to hear the testimonies of, of a couple individuals who've approached and said, you know what, I, I don't, I, I don't normally put myself out there like this. And then the following sentence that I love is, but God. And then they go on to talk about how God is pushing them out of their comfort zone into a place of leadership, which is just so incredible. Um, Two things that I want to mention before we get started is one, check your bulletins for some men's ministry details. There's a men's ministry small group that is kicking off. It is an incredible series by uh, Tony Evans, who is one of the, he's a NFL chaplain. I forget for which team, but he's an NFL chaplain, incredible testimony, incredible story. And I promise you that this series men will bless you. Also, want to mention that there is a Valentine's Day event happening. Check your bulletins. Look at the insert for more details. It was a lot of details to say, but I promise you um, there's a couple ladies who are putting this event together here. It's going to be awesome. It's going to bless you. And uh, if you're single, bring a date. It'll be great. All right. So if you're ready this morning, say I'm ready with some authority, people. If you're ready this morning, say I'm ready. Amen. So throughout this series, we've talked about a move of God. Today, I want to touch on two things. Um, one, we're going to make it a little bit personal today. How is C3 going to continue in this movement of God? We've recognized that God has been moving among us, that there, once again, the testimonies are outstanding. Some individuals saying, and my, my devotional life has been blessed. That is awesome. How are we going to continue to see that? Because how many of you know that God's not done? The second part to this is I want to talk a little bit about the results. What happens when God moves? What is, what is a result as God moves? What kind of things can we anticipate? Can we expect? And so that's going to be kind of the two things that we float back and forth with. And you're also going to hear a few things mentioned about vision, because I believe that God has a plan for the future of our church. Jeff, the mic must not be working, man. I believe that God has a plan for our church, friends. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. You're here. Wonderful. As a result of God moving, we believe that we will see missions outreach locally and worldwide increased. When God moves, we believe that it becomes a stirring a passion in the lives of Christians, that they would follow the great commission, that they would go into all the world and preach the good news. But there's also some more details given to us in Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bible this morning, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, if you're like me, you typically gravitate towards the Bible app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, it is a free Bible app. Um, I'm telling you, it's awesome. You can highlight verses just like you would a normal normal Bible. Um, it helps me if there's times whenever I'm walking out the door and I'm in a rush because I'm holding a baby and I have my screaming toddler 
Glory to God. Uh, if I happen to leave my Bible, I still have it on my phone. It's a great resource. That's Matthew chapter 25. And so this morning, I know that these are some fundamentals, that missions is a fundamental to the church, but I want to get into some of the details. I love the way that Tommy Barnett, founder of the LA Dream Center Ministry, put it. He said it this way. He said, missions is all about loving people and meeting needs. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and meet it. That's the objective of the church. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and meet it. And just to give you some insight on this, this outstanding ministry that takes place over in L.A., Founder of LA Dream Center said this. It was founded in 1994. The Dream Center is a volunteer-driven organization that finds and fills the needs. Are you ready for this, church? Finds and fills the needs of over 80,000 individuals and families per month. At the heart of the Dream Center is our desire to rescue those who have been enslaved by hunger, homelessness, poverty, addiction, human trafficking, community, and other uh, resources aid to this. Community outreach and life uh, controlling issues is what we try and intervene with. We do this by providing hope, empowerment, and the love of Christ, both in word and deed. We seek to meet urgent physical and spiritual needs through our many outreach and residential programs. It's an incredible ministry. And the reason why I point this ministry out is because at the heart of it, it's just so basic, so fundamental, and so well said. Find a need, find a hurt and heal it, find a need and meet it. And I believe that church, that when God begins to move in us, we can't help but become outreach oriented. Come on, somebody. When God begins to move in our lives and we realize how magnificent this gift of salvation is and how we are being called to be a new creation in Christ, that we are becoming who we were always meant to be, that we are filling God's purpose for our life, you can't help but let something like that out. Come on, somebody. When you begin to taste what this legitimate relationship of Jesus Christ is all about, you cannot help but tell others. You cannot help but see your heart become soften and your heart begins to break for the things that break Christ's heart. It's inevitable. Matthew 25 verses 35 through 40. It's 25 verses 35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed the clothes. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When did we feed you? Or, or, or were you thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And truly the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. It doesn't take much studying to get to the heart of what Jesus is saying in this scripture. It, it, it's kind of out there from the moment we start. Re- he puts it so blatantly. When you reach out to those around you, the needy, when you begin to show kindness to others, it's a representation. He's saying you are therefore serving me by doing the work that I've called you to do. And it's this beautiful message that he's teaching those around him. And he puts it so bluntly, and I love it. He said, meeting the needs of others is therefore worship unto him. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, that the redeemed will be eager to do what is good. That friends, we will show that we have a legitimate relationship with Jesus Christ when it is exemplified in external ways by what was just mentioned here. Serving those around us. I believe that there's no mistake that, that missions is at the center of Christ's heart. I said missions is at the center of Christ's heart. And therefore, it should be the center of our hearts, correct? That's kind of how it works. And I want to ask you this. When was the last time that your heart was truly broken for a, to, to meet a need? Now, I want us to do some self-inventory. I mean, really. When was the last time that there was a need or some kind of broken situation that touched your heart in such a deep, convicting way that, dare I say, it kept you up at night? When was the last time that there was a need that was presented where you could not help but say, you know what, Lord, I got to do something here and now I've got to meet this need. Have you ever experienced that time? Has it been a while since you've experienced that? Because friends, I believe that in 2020, that this is the place that God is calling C3 Church, this church, his church of the US, he's calling us to this place of brokenness where our hearts break to meet the needs of those around us. And this morning, during this portion of the service, I just wanna give you a heads up that, that we're gonna get a little bit uncomfortable. There's a picture that I'm gonna ask the media team to present in just a moment. And this picture in the mid-90s just stirred up a, a hornet's nest in our society. Because this picture is the picture of a little girl who's on her way to get food in Africa. And as the photographer was kneeling down, getting ready to take this picture, she collapsed on the road. And just as she collapsed, a vulture lands behind her and stands there. And in case we're not putting this together, the vulture is waiting for the girl's death so that the vulture can eat. Would you show the picture? And this picture disturbed our society. It's won more prizes than what I can list because it brought awareness to a nation of real needs. Because it made individuals, it was on the front page of the New York Times. And this picture inflicted so much, so much heartache in our society that there were individuals, who, news outlets, who actually banned their employees from displaying this picture on any of their newspapers or any way of getting it out. And this picture shows, friends... What we as the church are supposed to be taking care of. And it's pictures like this that I look at and it starts something in, in me. And I know that it's not just because I'm a redhead. <laughs> but I get mad. And I've heard different individuals who don't come from a faith background. They're like, you know what? I, I don't believe in, in church because look at all the needs around the world. And that's just, that, that, that's just not a good enough answer because God has called us to meet the needs. 
And if anyone's to blame for this, it's not God. Because, come on somebody, because we as his church are called. When Jesus told his disciples, go. He didn't mean that for those 11 to 12 men. He meant that for us, his church. And then he begins to elaborate in this chapter. And he begins to give us specifics of what broken and poverty and those around us and in society, literally giving clothes to those in need. And, and I read this scripture and I just say, God, stir up a deep conviction in us. Help us to get uncomfortable. Help us to come to that reality because friends, this is at the heart of the Lord. This is Jesus' heart is that we would meet needs like this. And it was a picture like this when I was in high school that stirred up such a deep conviction that I began to develop a passion for missions. And missions trips will change you. And I'll never forget, you know, years later, this picture surfaced again. And I, I, had, I, I had to sign up for a mission trip. It, it was just, it was in me. And I remember it, it led me to places. This picture changed my life in such a way that it's led me to other countries. One of them being, would you show the next picture? One of them being uh, Colombia. Maybe not. There it is. Columbia, and if you look closely at the picture, it kind of looks like those are rocks and cliffs off in the distance, but those are actually houses. Everywhere where you see brown in that picture, it's not dirt, it's house. And we're in this, this city of just millions and millions of people, and there's so many needs, and I'll never forget going to a, a child uh, daycare, and we show up there, and um, this was before I, I, I had kids or I was, a, I was new into fatherhood. And so parents in the room, you kind of know, like, I'm comfortable with my kids. Other people's kids, it's just kind of this awkward dance. And so, of course, you know, they're like, Pastor Donnie, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to go on the construction team. I'm a man. <sighs> And they're like, hey, how about, how about you uh, go with the, the women to the child care? <laughs> and uh, I looked, and, and he re- the missionary recovered nicely. He said, you know, they need somebody to protect them. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> I'm going as protector and pastor. Don Wick is what they will call me. And so I go to this child daycare and we begin to to play with the kids. And it's amazing that when you're in another country, you don't need to speak the same language in order to show them Christ's love. That Christ's love bulldozes over that language barrier. And I remember we're just loving on these kids, playing games with them. And, and we're hearing some of the workers tell us, you know, how great this is. And I'm, I'm hot and sweaty. And I sit down for a second. And this little tyke, this little guy comes running up. I mean, no signal of it. Just hops on my lap and falls asleep like that. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like, get this snotty nose thing off me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I look down and, and little guy is out. I mean, like I was just to have fun. It's something that I do with my kids. I'll pick up their arms and let it go. And it just drops like out. And one of the workers came over to me and began to tell me about his story and how he didn't have a father at home and how he's come from abusive situations and how often he showed up to the daycare and he's just starving, he's hungry. And that feeling in that moment of what it was to be the hands and feet of Jesus was something I will never forget. That feeling of simply, I did nothing. I played some silly games and I let them touch my beard. <laughs> I was like a sideshow in Columbia, I'm just saying. And through those simple acts of kindness, somehow I earned this kid's respect and trust. And I'll never forget what it was like to hold a need that was met in my arms. You hear what I'm saying, friends? To hold a child that was in need and to be that source of comfort because the Holy Spirit is working in your life is an unmatched feeling. So friends, I go back to my original question. When was the last time that you faced such a deep conviction that you couldn't help but become uncomfortable? And I know that some of you are like 20 seconds ago when you showed us the picture. I mean beyond that. When, did, when was the last time that you truly felt conviction where you saw yourself as the solution? If you remember throughout this series, we've been talking about how we can't just, friends, we can't use prayer as an escape hatch from responsibility. We have to go into our prayer entrusting things that only God can do to him, of course. But we also have to go into our prayer time with the understanding that God might be calling you to meet the very need that you are praying about. And as a result of God moving here at C3, this is what I want to see. I want to see an increase in missions. I want to see an increase in how many missionaries we support because even though we don't see it right here, right now, there are thousands and thousands of missionaries who are in countries like this serving people and I want to be a part of blessing them. I express to the board that it is my desire that this year we will use as a launching pad to start up missions trips in 2021 that this year would be a year where we get uncomfortable and where we have such a deep conviction in our hearts that in 2021, I'm waiting for people to bang on my, on my office door saying, Pastor Donnie, get me on a missions trip. I'm ready for God to move, not just here at C3, but across, move us across the world. Come on, somebody. When God moves it inevitably increases our desire to serve him in missions locally, because there's needs over in Allentown and worldwide. And just to mention a couple numbers, there are currently 3.8 billion people in Asia that don't know Jesus. There's 514 million people in Europe who don't know Jesus. 
there's 800 million people in Africa who are not serving the Lord. And the list goes on and on and on and on. In church, you and I are called. And it's not a matter of I have to, it's a matter of I get to. Because when I was holding that little guy in my arms, I was not sitting there going, oh, I have to be here in Columbia. My heart was so overwhelmed that I could not help but stand there and say, thank you. Thank you, God, for allowing me to serve you. There was one other moment that I just want to share and then I'll move on to my next point. Another moment was when I was forced on a mission trip by my dad when I was in junior high and the whole flight to Mexico, I'm like, I'm a redhead. Mexico and redheads don't get along. We have a love-hate relationship. I hate the sun and Mexico understands that. And so we arrive at Mexico and we're doing work projects. And, and once again, my heart is still kind of callous. I'm like, why, why are my parents making me do this? Thank God for parents who make their kids participate in different church things. Just saying. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for parents who said, oh, hey, you're sick today? You're still going to church. You're sick today? Well, we're going to pray for healing today. So come on. And so... And so when I'm in Mexico, once again, I'll never forget this image of us being at a local dump and looking around and seeing all of these shacks built on the mountains of trash where people lived. And I remember hearing a lot of noise over to my right and I turned my attention and it's this little girl jumping up and down and she's thrilled. And I look to our interpreter and I'm trying to gauge what's happening right now. And the interpreter looks and he says, I can't quite tell, make out what she's screaming. It's something, she's found something. And so I start to walk over. And she finds a half-eaten apple. And she takes a bite of the apple and ants just pour out. And she was so happy. And that's an image that will forever be ingrained in my mind. And we were able to go over, take it out of her hands and get her some food. And in that moment, I was not thinking, God, why do you have me here? But there was a realization of I get to be a part of his purpose. And friends, when you discover your God-given purpose, when you begin to tap into those things that are bigger than you, that only God can do, whenever you begin to see his faithfulness and you, you begin to be his hands and feet, it will forever change your life. My intention, friends, what I'm getting at is God is doing great things in this body of Christ, but he hasn't called us to be content here. When God moves, it's not just meant to be a movement in the church. Come on, somebody. When God moves, it's intended that it would move us in here to out there. How will you be a part of this movement? 
Everybody has giftings. Everybody has something to offer. How would you be a part of missions? As a result of God moving, we believe that we will experience unity and strength in the community of believers. As God moves, we believe that it will be self-evident that we will see a stronger, tight-knit, united community in the church. It's a series that we're launching next week. Acts 2.42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Praise God they were eating. I just feel called for us to do a potluck after service. And together they were glad and sincere in their hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord, here it is, the Lord added to their number daily to those who were being saved. So let's pause for a moment. What just happened here? First, I want to point this out, that this was the result of the Holy Spirit baptism that we read earlier in Acts When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to function through your life, it's inevitable that the Holy Spirit is going to do things through you and in you that you just couldn't even imagine. And I believe that it is through the Holy Spirit that they were also able to experience unity. Come on, somebody. They devoted themselves as a result of God moving. They devoted themselves to biblical teaching and fellowship in life and spiritually. I just want to pause right there. Our relationships in the church were not meant to exist on Sundays and Wednesdays. Come on, somebody. There was this beautiful moment recently where after our men's ministry got done trap shooting, we went out to a barbecue. I love barbecues. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I better be hearing some man grunts or something. And it was just nice to get together with no agenda. Nobody stood up and said, hey, pastor, if we don't do a devotional right now, I'm going to backslide. But it was simply being together. And friend, can I just say that when the body of Christ gets together, spiritual conversations are inevitable. So coming together with no agenda is perfectly fine. I love how it repeats there a couple times that these people were, they loved their carbs. They broke bread together. I can get on board with that. What I'm saying is I I believe that God wants to see a relationship-driven church. Friends, in our society today, it comes to us as no surprise Our society doesn't know how to have those tight-knit relationships where it's like, I have your back. There's a younger generation coming up where their main mode of relationship is through their phone and that just doesn't even cut it. And I want to encourage us. Relationship is intentional. It means that you put in an effort It means that two people come together and there is an intentional drive. There's an intention behind calling one another up and checking on each other. When a church is united, it is a force to be reckoned with. Unity does not come easy. It's a part of why we need the Holy Spirit. And I recognize that. But I want to point this out. 
when a church is full of love and grace and they are in harmony, when a church is studying the word of God, intentionally digging into his word, when a church is coming together and breaking bread with one another, simply to say, hey, let's sit down and have a meal. When a church is building one another up, when a church like this in Acts, it says that there's other translations that say they shared resources with one another. Let me paint a picture of that. In biblical times, everybody had a different trade. And so what they were saying is whenever it came up to to somebody who lacked something, they would find somebody who was in that trade and they would meet that need. When a church begins to experience a move of God and they begin to express this kind of, of giving to one another, this kind of kindness, friends, it becomes contagious. It will come to the point where that church has to close its doors to keep people out. When there's a church like this, come on somebody. When there's a church like this, united in harmony, running after the things of God, caring for one another with a genuine love, it becomes contagious. It says that their number was added to daily. That's a movement that I wanna be a part of. That's a movement that I wanna see at our church here in in 2020. And can I just say that our church, I love bragging on our church. Because this, this body of Christ, when, 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 when there's a welcome time and we have to put a count clock up, that's how you know the love is legitimate. There's some, I'm just saying, it's unique what God is doing here. Don't ever take that for granted and let us not ever let that go. Now, I'm still newer to the church, so I, can, I feel like I can still say this. That when Kylie and I first came here, it felt like home the very first time that we walked in those doors. The love and the kindness and the meals. We had just moved in and it was church person after church person bringing us meals. Kylie and I got choked up a couple different times in our kitchen. I don't ever want to lose that. I want that to become stronger and stronger in our culture of C3. Amen, church? But it takes intention. It takes work. And I do want to point out that just because they were united doesn't mean that they agreed on everything. Come on, somebody. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no translation. When you look in the Bible commentaries, I promise you, there's nothing there that says, and they agreed about everything political, and preferences. I mean, they agreed on everything. Being united takes work. And sometimes when you're united and you have a different uh, opinion, we have to come back to point A, what's, what really matters. And they were united in what really mattered. And that was being the hands and feet of Jesus. That was loving one another. That was building up the body of Christ. In 2020, I promise you that we as C3 Church will provide every opportunity to build community. Recently at a board meeting, I told our our, our board members, I I said, I want to see that pavilion overused. I want to see us breaking bread because I like food and I like people. (laughs) I want to see us getting together. But church, hear me out. I don't want us to only be together when it's scheduled on the church calendar. 
Deep-rooted relationships go beyond that. But friends, hear me out. Deep-rooted relationships are intentional. And I'm ending on this point just, just with this fact. The reason why I keep saying that is because sometimes there's a... Oh, we good? All right, sorry to fade out there for a second. Sometimes with relationships, when it comes to church specifically in a church context, there's this misconception that everyone else should reach out to me. When I'm broken, they, the church, they need to come and and they need to help me. And there's so many individuals that I've known throughout growing up in a pastor's home and seeing people who once were serving the Lord and now they're not, who had this kind of, I'm just being bluntly honest. Can I be bluntly honest? There is this narcissistic mentality that the church exists to heal hurt people. I'm hurting, so you need to always come to me. And somewhere in there, there's this genuine relationship that falls through the floor because relationships are intentional. Come on, somebody. From both sides. And there are so many individuals in our society who stop showing up to churches because somebody taught them that the church is here to serve every one of their needs. Friends, if there's healing and whatnot that needs to take place, we are happy to pray with you. But there comes a point when in a relationship, you cannot show up to a relationship, expect health if all we do is take. And it's the same thing with our relationship with Christ. I don't have a relationship with Jesus just so I can take from him every day. Is this making sense this morning? In 2020, we will provide opportunities, but I believe that it is the heart of Christ to see relationships grown outside of church. Deep-rooted, genuine relationships. As a result of God moving, we believe, and this is my last point with you this morning, the family unit will be repaired, rebuilt, and strengthened. As a result of God moving, we believe that the family unit will be repaired, rebuilt, and strengthened. Dr. Dobson, Christian family counselor, said it this way, a stable family unit is the foundation on which to build a stable society. You cannot have a strong country unless you have a strong family. All right, real talk. We have missed the mark. The family unit in our society is in a need of a great repair. Coming from seven and a half years of youth ministry, I have seen the effects of absent fathers, of absent mothers of households where students would come from abusive situations, substance abuse. I have seen the results of broken family units and friends, it is crippling this next generation. Their identity is in a state of confusion. Their anxiety is through the roof because they don't even have stability at home. God, come on somebody, but God still is able 
to repair what we have broken. Ninety percent of felony cases are committed by individuals who come from an absent father home. So much so that it should come as no surprise that 90% of prison inmates come from fatherless homes. 90%. Statistically, kids who come from strong homes, which is defined as this, biblical values such as commitment, love, integrity, and faithfulness are statistically less likely to struggle with depression, suicide, academic issues, behavioral issues, emotional issues, and so on. Here's where I'm getting at, friends. God's way of marriage works. And we as a society have got to get back to this. We have got to get back to God's family unit. There is nothing more important that you and I will ever do aside from teaching our kids to follow Jesus. There is nothing in this world that will ever compare or come close to what it is to teach our kids about Jesus. Friends, jobs will change. You will move. Life circumstances will change. But when you teach your kids that they will always have a foundation built upon Jesus Christ, come on somebody, there is nothing that outweighs the importance of this principle. Grandparents in the room, there is nothing more important. Check mark. You've taught the kids how to follow Jesus. Now the grandkids are coming. Scripture is full of God's direction for our family unit to operate in a healthy manner. Here's just a few. Psalm 127, three through five tells us that children are a gift from God and should be honored and treated like so. Colossians 3.13 teaches us about how the family should function in forgiveness, not bitterness, not brokenness. Teaches us that we should function in Christ-like forgiveness. Ephesians 5.25 teaches us about sacrificial love between a father and a mother, meaning love is a verb. It's not a noun. It's something that both parties are committed to even when they disagree. Corinthians 13 is a famous wedding verse that we've probably heard a hundred times for those of you who have grown up in a church context. It's a verse that continues to give us direction in regards to a love and marriage that displays Christ-like love to our children. Mark 10, six through nine, Jesus talks about the covenant between two and marriage, man and woman, and a bonding that happens between them. Family is taught family principles throughout the entire book of Proverbs. There's direction on raising children, love one another, making it through difficult circumstances. In the Old Testament, the family was discussed and taught even so much that it was added to the Ten Commandments. Throughout the Bible, we see lessons represented through family units on what it is to submit to God. We have the most famous story, the prodigal son that we use over and over again that displays more biblical principles than what I have time for this morning. Isaiah 54 tells us to raise up children to follow Jesus. Friends, the Bible does not tell us that we should ask our children if they're comfortable to go to church. The Bible does not tell us that we should check in with them, let them make their own decisions. From the time that they are born until 18, you and I have a job to get them around the presence of Lord as much as possible. Come on, somebody. 
I am here today because I had a dad and a mom who looked at me and said, son, you're going to church. When I struggled with anxiety and depression at the age of 15 years old, my parents made me go to a convention where I responded to an altar call and haven't dealt with anxiety and depression since then. I cannot tell you how many times I've responded to an altar call because I was forced to be there in the first place. Parents, you are the parent in the household. Your children don't need another friend. They don't need another teacher from school. They need a mom and dad who are set and built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. It is time for the church to stop with the defensive position and move into offense. I am tired. I am tired of us as a church, as us as a family unit, constantly saying, well, pastor, we got to protect our kids from this. We have to shield them from this. We got to get them away from this. We have to move them over here. We have to defend ourselves. Start going in the offense and teach your children what it's like to stand up for Christ. The time is now. I believe it's a part of God's vision for C3 Church to lead the way in rebuilding families. Friend, will you join me on this endeavor? help get families here. It's my desire that we would have counseling that's offered. It's my desire that we would have courses. There's an outstanding resource, Focus on the Family, that has more material than what I can list for all ages into marriage counseling, into the teenage years. We have more resources than what we don't know what to do with, than we know what to do with. So hear me out. Here's, here's what I'm saying. When we stand before Christ someday, And he asks us why we didn't set a good example to our kids. The excuse of saying, I don't know, will not meet the standard. We live in the most technologically advanced age where you and I don't even have to leave the house to get resources on this stuff. It's in our pockets. It is time to start playing offense. The church was not meant to curl up in a ball and be in a defensive position. Jesus said, go. He didn't say, wait. He didn't say, hold on. He accomplished everything he needed to. And then he looked to his disciples and said those beautiful words, that verb, go. As God moves, family unit will be repaired, rebuilt, and strengthened, and he invites us into this beautiful process. And friend, I do want to mention this as we close. If you don't come from a strong family background, if your family is currently in a state of repair, you are setting yourself up for a beautiful testimony and a move of God. I am here today because I had a dad who went against the grain of what his family life was like. And I can tell you this. My dad did officiated my wife and I's wedding. So therefore, we went premarital counseling with him. And during premarital counseling, there's a few questions that are asked about your family background to figure out how you learn to handle conflict. What was your family life like? How did your parents deal with disagreements? 
And honestly, this is my honest answer. When my dad asked that question to me with that smirk on his face, I've never heard my parents disagree about anything. I always saw them as a unit. I never tried to go to mom and get her to do what I couldn't get dad to do. I never even tried that because I knew that the results would be the same. When they had a disagreement, I knew that they would go into the living room and they would talk it out. And I knew that because when I walked into the living room, it got quiet. They never showed us what it was like to yell at one another. I've never heard my dad raise his voice to my mom. And I'm saying this because friend, it's possible to pioneer the way for a new generation to be set steadfast on the foundation of Christ. Friends, are you ready for it? Are we ready? I mean, honestly, are we ready? From this point on, as we head into 2020, are we ready to become his hands and feet in outreach? Are we ready to be united and committed to building up one another? To exemplify what it is to a broken and divided society, what it's like to be united in Christ. Where we can disagree on political things, we can disagree on preferences, but you know what? We're still united because we remember the fundamentals that Jesus taught us. Are we ready to start bringing in families into this place and loving them and helping them through whatever challenges they face? Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? you bow your heads with me one more time. Without anybody looking around, here's what I'm going to ask. You'll find that throughout the Bible, God is motion activated. What I mean by that is, for example, our, our first step to getting to know him is Jesus says, you know, call unto me, repent of your sins. There's an action that takes place, and in return, we get to grow and know Christ. All throughout the Bible, he's calling people into, into action to make a movement, maybe even something symbolic. Because there's something about outwardly expressing what's going on inside that causes us to grow because we're getting uncomfortable. So here's what I'm asking. Without anybody looking around, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you the question. For those of you who are up for this task, friend, we have a task of reaching the world, being remain united in Christ, and seeing the Lord reestablish and rebuild the family unit. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you are ready to, ende- to embark on this endeavor, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, for those of you who are ready, if you would just simply raise a hand up high because it symbolizes, Lord, here I am. I'm ready for the tasks. And I believe that this message this morning, the Lord has laid it out pretty clearly. Are you ready to be my hands and feet is what I just feel the Lord saying to this body. Are you ready to get after it? Are you ready to run into this season of moving? So if that's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this vision that God is calling C3 Church to. 
I want to be a part of, of this vision of reaching our society. I'm ready. I hear that calling. If, you're, if you feel that conviction in your heart of I have got to be a part, I want to see the Lord do these things. I'm going to ask without anybody looking around, would you just lift a hand towards heaven right here, right now at the sound of my voice. Father, I pray for every upraised hand in this place. Jesus, that you would help us to walk in boldness and humility. I pray for every raised hand here, Lord Jesus. It is not easy always being the example. It means that we conduct ourselves to a higher standard, your standard. But Lord, I pray that every single raised hand in this place and those who may have wished they raised their hands, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them in such a clear way, Lord, that they would be able to turn back and say, look what the Lord did in my life. From this moment on, he challenged me in ways and got me through things that I never could have imagined. Father, we recognize that you are calling us as a church to get a little bit uncomfortable. So Lord, for every raised hand, I thank you that there are those who are willing who say, here I am, Lord, send me. So Father, as we leave this place this morning, would you go before us, split those waters, that you would prepare the way that there would be, Lord, that there would be a harvest in the United States of America. Lord, we want to be effective. We desire you. So Father, as you unite this body and send us into nations and send us to support others who are going into nations, and as you help us, Lord, set families and children and marriages on the foundation of the cross. I just pray for an overwhelming amount of testimonies to come out of this because we recognize, Lord, that people can challenge us and disagree with us on biblical facts, even though they remain true, but nobody can take away our experience with you. So Father, have your way. We ask in your precious and holy name. And everybody said, and everybody said, hey, it is such an honor to serve you. And I mean that. It is such an honor. And I am so excited for what God is doing here. How many of you are ready to see what he does this year? Amen, church. Amen. Awesome. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.